This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast for Saturday the 4th of February 2017. Episode 4, Lost Property. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to The Intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of technology and pop culture. I'm your host, Jonathan Wildman, and this week um, it's been a fairly manic week, a fairly nerve-wracking week for myself on a personal level. I won't go into it, but in terms of the world of tech, things have been rather quiet. So let's do what we normally do at this point of the show. Let's jump straight to the new snippets. Now, way back in episode one, we brought you news of the Nintendo Switch. This is Nintendo's forthcoming games console, which is scheduled to be released worldwide in early March. Nintendo at the time announced that the Switch would be going on tour in the United States and would be uh, being previewed and allowing the public to get a hold of the console and to try out its launch titles uh, every weekend at a major U.S. city. I did say I'd keep you guys up to date if I heard anything for the UK, and lo and behold, we have some UK dates. Now, a few of them have already been booked up, but they, Nintendo keep on adding more and more dates to their website, so I will put a link in the show notes, but the page to check out is definitely on nintendo.co.uk, and you will find on the main banner a link to try out Nintendo Switch. Now, Nintendo are holding two-hour play sessions, and what you need to do is to book yourself in free of charge to get a pair of tickets for a session. The cities Nintendo seem to be previewing the Switch at include Birmingham, Manchester and London. Now I'm pretty sure they will add more cities and more dates as we get closer to the Switch's launch. But at the moment we are looking at three sessions in Birmingham. Friday the 10th of February, Saturday the 11th of February, Sunday the 12th of February. In Manchester, we're looking at Friday the 17th of February, Saturday the 18th of February, and Sunday the 19th of February. And in London, we're looking at Friday the 24th of February, Saturday the 25th of February, and Sunday the 26th of February. So how to secure your ticket? All you need to do is decide which location you want to attend, click on the link in Nintendo's site, and it will tell you if there are any spaces left for that particular location and time slot. And if so, you get a pair of tickets so you can bring a friend along. And tickets are emailed to you. Um, so don't just try to show up. I've heard that Nintendo are going to be quite strict at these events. And also don't despair if the website does report that the date and the session that you want uh, may be fully booked out. They seem to be adding more dates on the weekly basis. So stay tuned to their website. Now, for those of you who have been desperate to get your hands on a pair of Apple's AirPods, your luck may be changing. It seems that the flood of stock entered the UK, most of the UK's major Apple stores, during the past week, and stock seemed to be delivered and replenished every other day. Now, as I recommended to you in a previous episode, the best way to stay on top of stock levels is to register at either machookup.com 
or iStockNow.com. What those websites have you do is register your email address to pop in your postcode and you will receive an alert anytime any Apple store replenishes its stocks with AirPods in a vicinity near you. Now, it seems like the issues Apple faced in terms of uh, supply constraint are coming to an end as AirPods are being shipped to the UK on a faster and faster basis. Um, but online orders seem to be still be slow. So I would recommend those who have ordered online, which Apple give you uh, by default, I think, a six week wait time to keep checking online for what's going on at your local store. If you want AirPods quickly, that's definitely the way to go. Good news for Prince fans. It seems that according to a source who confirmed with Vulture magazine that uh, Prince's catalogue will soon be arriving to Apple Music. Now, at the moment, if you search for Prince's material on Apple Music, all you get is uh, a collection of bootleg recordings, quite curiously, um, uh, from various um, shows that Prince did in the 80s and in the 90s. Now, his, oddly enough, his last album, which he recorded, which was previously a title exclusive, which was Hit and Run Volume 2, also seems to be available on Apple Music at present, along with a couple of tracks from his album with band Third Eyed Girl. Now, it, so it seems like Prince's full catalogue, and Prince had a, a, a substantial catalogue of, of, of music, is coming to Apple Music, and it's not known when this deal will take effect, but previously, when Prince was alive during the last a year or so of his life, he did do a deal with Tidal, the now defunct Tidal uh, streaming service. Uh, and Tidal had the majority not all of his of his catalog but the majority of his bigger you know his bigger albums the obvious ones 1999 purple rain um available for streaming and it was the, it was an exclusivity deal and prince's newer material the hit and run albums for both volumes one and two were exclusively available on title prince ha has always had a troubled relationship with his record label in terms of ownership and distribution and in, and, and with the internet itself um, a lot of uh, Prince's material was bootlegged over the years, uh, recordings from shows and, and what have you, but di actually distributed over the internet in the early part of the millennium. And Prince went from embracing the internet, trying to control how his music got out there. For example, in 2005, 2006, I believe, he launched the New Power Generation Music Club, so if you wanted to hear anything new from Prince, you had to pay a subscription fee and you would have access to um, his music and you would have access to live snippets from live performances. And this was all done exclusively. And you'd also have first dibs on uh, the best seats at his concerts. So for something, you know, so early, Prince was actually quite ahead of his time. Then Prince in 2010 fell out of love with the internet and very famously declared that the internet was over and really um and said that he was he was actively seeking new ways and, and fresh ideas in terms of how to distribute his music so prince wasn't happy with the deal artists were getting 
with uh, the arrival of streaming services such as Spotify and Apple Music and Prince was, was more happy with the Tidal deal but the problem with the Tidal deal is that Tidal didn't particularly have a lot of subscribers so it seems now I, I mean, I'm not sure I'm a huge Prince fan but I'm not actually sure who's managing his estate um, but perhaps this is a Warner Brothers a Warner Music dis, um, decision uh, that Prince's catalog is going to be available on um, services such as Apple Music and possibly Spotify um, so watch this space chances are though if you're a huge prince fan you're gonna have his you're gonna have his his, his catalog most of his catalog already whether this deal includes some rare rare performances and some rare recordings um which were normally being sort of distributed on the download in, in terms of various bootlegs that remains to be seen um however um, for casual listeners who just want to listen to a bit of Prince from time to time, maybe listen to a bit of Purple Rain, it, it's going to be good news. And again, it just shows how the likes of Apple Music is going from strength to strength. And really, it is the new way of enjoying music. Joining a subscription service is the new way of doing things. I think gone are the days where we, completely gone are the days where we go to the record store and we buy a CD or even we order one on Amazon, or even if we download the MP3, it seems like streaming these days is definitely the way forward. Apple have got a massive piece of that pie in a very short amount of time. Spotify, obviously, are doing very well. Tidal haven't been doing so well, but I, I put that down more down to the high price of subscription. But, uh, yep, good news for Prince fans, and uh, just keep your eyes on the Apple Music catalog. <laughs> Now, there doesn't seem to be a day that goes by without another piece of negative news from the United States of America concerning their overlord, President Donald J. Trump, his highly controversial administration and his highly divisive and quite offensive executive orders, which seem to be signed off on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, interestingly enough, we know that Donald Trump relied heavily on Twitter during his campaign and even now during the early days of his presidency he will certainly use a social media platform to get his message across but ironically his downfall could be the very tool that he exploited there seems to be a rogue twitter account that has been created i believe january the 27th which appears to be from disgruntled White House staff working for the Trump administration, but clearly who do not have much respect for the Trump administration. Now, that Twitter account is at Rogue P-O-T-U-S staff, at Rogue POTUS staff. And the identities of those running the account, and we know it's more than one person at least, uh, is unknown. People have tried to get information from those running the account and they have you know, tried to ask for proof of the authenticity of the account. But of course, 
This isn't the sort of Twitter account that's going to be verified. And any attempt to try and hoax in the information concerning the identity of these people will just be met with derision. Now, they also seem to be very strict, whoever's running this account, and absolutely will not tolerate any aggressive language or any threats of violence or any um, illusions of threats of violence towards Donald Trump and his staff at the White House for fear of treason. It seems that the president is not currently aware of this account, although I find that hard to believe. And the people running this account do claim that some of his senior staff are in fact aware. Now, I don't want this account to close down because actually, if anything, it's great entertainment. I don't, I'm not sure if it's legitimate, but you know, it, it, it's, it's provided quite a few gems. And, and, and let me just say, this account set up on the 27th of January, uh, they've tweeted 425 tweets. So it's a fairly active account. And they have already to date 653,000 followers. Now, that's quite a number for such a short period of time. Now, some of the, some of the, some of the amusing tweets that have come from this account include... President Donald Trump making waves at the White House already. Wants to be the president who will be remembered as king. His words, not ours. Trump's not to be trusted when it comes to phone calls with Vladimir Putin and his vice president will sit in on those calls. Trump was against that idea at first, but again, he had to back down. And Trump isn't taking the recent wave of protests against him, uh, the protests that are happening across the world very well. Don't they know that I'm the effing president was heard as he shouted from his office. So it, it gives you a bit of a behind the scenes look at what's going on in the White House. If you believe that this is legit and if you do believe that this is legit, then it just paints a picture that the Trump administration is highly disorganized, um, is highly incompetent and the most senior of Donald Trump's staff, those who a little bit more politically attuned than he is are simply setting him up for a fall and to grab the reins of power it from some of the implications made in these tweets it seems like the goal is to let trump run his mouth off and impeach himself so it, it, it's a, if anything it's a good read i mean i don't know how you feel politically but it, it it just goes to show how powerful social media can be these days um you know it, it affects our politics and definitely check it out while you still can i'll put a link to this uh, rogue account in the show notes for your perusal <laughs> Apologies if it seems like this podcast is turning into the Donald Trump podcast or rather the anti-Donald Trump podcast. But um, this is exactly how uh, world politics and uh, the worlds of technology can kind of mesh together or rather collide. 
So this next story broke um, on the Saturday when we published last episode's podcast, so we didn't catch it in time. But as you know, what's going on right now, there's a number of uh, protests going on in cities all over the world against specifically the executive order that Donald Trump passed on Muslim immigrants. Now, I say Muslim immigrants because it does target and ban um, it bans the admission of people into the United States, people from seven specific countries, um, Islamic countries, but it does also make allowances for people from those countries of other faiths. So they're allowed to enter, but it seems like the Muslims are not. So this seems to be an anti-Muslim um, policy. And it has been met with much outrage. Now, the what happened last week was there was a protest uh, due to be scheduled in New York City. Um, uh, now, this was going to be the New York taxi workers, and it did take place. Now, they were they were campaigning for no pickups at JFK Airport between the hours of 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. They did tweet that drivers stand in solidarity with thousands protesting inhumane and unconstitutional Muslim ban. Hashtag Muslim ban. Here's where things started to get controversial. Apparently 30 minutes, within 30 minutes of the taxi strike, Uber had publicly tweeted that they were going to reduce surge pricing or rather remove surge pricing at JFK airport. Uh, now, many saw this as them trying to exploit the situation, to profit from the situation. You know, what was a serious protest for a serious, um, a serious matter um, they wanted to take commercial advantage out of. Now, what happened immediately was a cry of outrage and the hashtag delete Uber was born and became trending worldwide. So what happened was people were encouraged to um, start removing Uber the Uber app from their phones and to take pictures of themselves removing the app or to or even or to go one step further to close and delete their account. Now, one screenshot read, do you wish to delete your account? Yes. And uh, the reasons why, sharing the details, was that you tried to profit off a strike against the unconstitutional immigration ban. See you in scab hell, assholes. Now, apparently, this got really serious and more than 200,000 people deleted the uber app just because of that hashtag delete uber and just because of the outrage of a tweet that well it it does seem a little bit um dubious but um it could very well be innocent it could very well be uh, coincidental but the the controversy was uber's profiteering over what was supposed to be um, um a good a protest for a good cause and also, its CEO's relationship with the Trump administration. Now, apparently, the CEO of Uber, who is Travis Kanalik, was serving on a business advisory council for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's administration on the Strategic and Policy Forum. Now, what happened was that um, Kanalik got alarmed with Business Insider's reports that over 200,000 people had actually deleted their Uber app following this, this wave of bad press and, and, and this delete Uber movement that trended worldwide. And Kanalik uh, sent a memo to employees advising that he was actually going to leave uh, the council. And to quote in his words, 
Earlier today, I spoke briefly with the president about the immigration executive order and its issues for our community. I also let him know that I would not be able to participate on his economic council. Joining a group was not meant to be an endorsement of the president or his agenda, but unfortunately it has been misinterpreted to be exactly that. Now, the uh, delete Uber movement did sort of die down after that uh, statement was released, and apparently insiders in the White House have actually... Um, responded quite aggressively to uh, Canalic's statement and apparent criticism of Trump's uh, immigration policy, as it seems to be the trend that Donald Trump's administration always respond great hostility and aggression whenever they are criticised. Now, the rumours are that um, their, their actual word-to-word response was to Canalic, if you want to cut off your access to the White House, then f*** you. Tuesday, Apple announced its earnings for quarter one 2017. That would be the fiscal year. In terms of the calendar year, that pretty much, I think, figures out to be the last quarter of 2016. Now, (laughs) shockingly enough, or maybe not so much, they reported their largest ever earnings in the history of the company. Their largest quarterly revenue in all of Apple history. Now, if you consider that the amount that they brought in during that quarter, and I will let you know, it is, we're talking about a revenue of $78.4 billion, and in terms of profits, $17.89 billion of sheer profit. That is an obscene amount of money. Now, prior to that, you know, the results of that quarter, the previous three quarters saw a decline. And a lot of naysayers were, were, were saying that Apple had lost their mojo, that they no longer delivered innovative products, and they were behind, particularly in areas such as the Home Assistant and things like that, behind the likes of Google. And... This has completely blown all expectations aside. And Tim Cook, no matter what you say, and he's had a lot of flack, he's had a lot of flack about not being a product man, and I've gone into that in previous episodes. Tim Cook is delivering the goods to shareholders. Now, a little little bit, I mean, I don't normally go on about sales, but $7.2 billion of that revenue was from services. So that's an 18% increase from the previous year, I believe. Uh, So Apple Music is going from strength to strength and iCloud services are going from strength to strength. But it seemed the real reason why there was this sort of resurgence um, in terms of revenue and profit for Apple was the iPhone 7. 
Now, the iPhone 7, despite the criticism of it looking exactly like the iPhone 6 and 6S, has done extremely well. Extremely well. Now, Apple have stated that the iPhone 7, it, you know, the standard iPhone 7 was the most popular model, but the iPhone 7 Plus, it was the best performing Plus model. And now they've had, that, that would be the third Plus model that they've released, which is strange because I, in the wild, particularly in the UK, I tend to see more iPhone 7 Pluses than iPhone 7s. But the iPhone 7 has been the key. And I'm going to say that that worries me. While Apple are clearly doing very, very well, and at the end of the day, when you're running a business, it's all about the bottom line. We know Tim Cook is, I think it's fair to call him the Steve Ballmer of Apple. He is not a product man like Steve Jobs was. But the reason why this concerns me is because it will bring a level of complacency. After all, why fix something that isn't broken? This isn't really going to give Apple the push that they need to disrupt the industry again, just to, to bring out something new, something daring, something innovative, to take a chance to try and keep up with the likes of Google because they have brand loyalty. And it is a case that anything that Apple releases, their their core fan base will lap it up. I mean, look at, look at the popularity of AirPods. But they have this very strong brand recognition and brand loyalty. So my concern... While this is fantastic results and I don't have any Apple stock, so it doesn't benefit me. But my concern is that this will not translate into new, more daring, more exciting products. It won't translate into Apple disrupting the industry as they did under the helm of Steve Jobs and, you know, Apple really pushing innovation. So look at look now we have the Apple Watch Series 2, which is faster than the series one and the series zero i should say which was the original one it's waterproof that's the only main difference rumor has it that the next generation apple watch which will be launched in the spring will look pretty much exactly the same with no additional sensors so it seems to be again another spec boost a speed bump and we have seen what's happened with the macbook pro we have the touch bar which is been derived it's just been gimmicky but we have fairly underpowering underpowered machines in in terms of what's been you know what's been uh, marketed as a pro machine we haven't seen anything in terms of the desktop space we haven't had um, updates for the mac pro for years the imac hasn't really had a significant update for several years and Again, in terms of virtual reality and augmented reality, we've seen nothing from Apple. In terms of the Home Assistant, we haven't seen anything from Apple, yet we have very popular products from Amazon and from Google. So my concern is Tim Cook being, being a very good CEO. He's doing his job. Tim Cook's all about logistics and the bottom line is going to continue to play it safe. And I would, I really wanted to, I don't wish anything bad on Apple. I'm a huge Apple fan. I'm hugely supportive of Apple, but I really wanted Apple to be given a kick up the backside, to be quite honest. Um, particularly after the release of the iPhone 7, you know, the third generation, third um, Apple iPhone 
model that had the same that has the same form factor. So it's for three generations in a row. And rumor has it that this all new singing, dancing 10th anniversary iPhone that we were expecting this year isn't actually going to happen this year. And we're just going to get a 7S. But like I said, this is rumor. It's hardly been substantiated. So I am really hoping this is great news for Apple, but I'm hoping they don't play it safe, that they do feel the pressure of competition, that they do feel the urge to innovate, to disrupt the industry, to push things forward. That remains to be seen. Um, in terms of these results, every, all of their products seem to be doing well, apart from iPad. iPad sales seems to be a little, seem to be a little limp. There's something about that product, and I think it's because it's such a well-made product. I think the problem is that people people have an iPad and it it works well. It works well for years, so why replace it? There is no need to really replace your iPad if it does the job for you. Now, I think that. The iPad Pro was an attempt to push people into upgrading. With the iPad Pro, you had uh, various features that were exclusive. You had the Apple Pencil, which can only be used on a Pro device. But that hasn't, again, um, that hasn't, again, taken the world by storm. Most people have opted for the iPad Air 2. So we're going to see new iPads in spring. I don't think we're going to see... I, I think we're, we're not going to see anything too too exciting in terms of an upgrade um the ipad is the one space where apple really need to to push things forward um it's not doing and i say it's not doing well because you always see people with ipads but i guess the um i mean there's been a decline in ipad sales there there isn't the desire for people to up upgrade their ipad so let's just put it that way um and the apple watch seems to be doing extremely well a lot better now and i think it's a lot to do with the the small price cut that it received so yeah i mean these are great results for apple an obscene amount of money that could basically buy a couple of small countries um but i'm just worried about the product we need some new exciting products. In addition to announcing Apple's financial results in the past quarter, Tim Cook at Apple's earnings call also proclaimed HomeKit as the most secure platform for automating homes. Now, for those of you that don't know, HomeKit is built into iOS 10. Um, it's built into to iOS 10 native, quite natively uh, with a, an app called, believe it or not, Home. And... What HomeKit is, is a, it's a software platform where either your iPad or your Apple TV can act as a central hub for you to control your smart devices. Now, these could be light bulbs, these could be locks, these could be thermostats, etc. But to control your smart devices remotely and to schedule your smart devices to to switch on based on certain circumstances, for example, time of day, um, weather, 
the vicinity of yourself in relation to your home, for example, using geofencing, etc. And um, Tim Cook, what was fascinating about Tim Cook's mention of HomeKit was the fact that he actually, now Tim Cook is a very private man, but he actually gave a glimpse into his daily routine, into his lifestyle. And he talked about how he uses HomeKit and how HomeKit's integrated within his home. And it's always fascinating to listen to a person such as Tim Cook, who is CEO of a, you know, a, a, a ginormous technology company who um, has all of the technology and money at his disposal he could possibly want. So it's interesting to see how he, with well fewer limits than we do, uh, we have, um, utilizes HomeKit in his, in his daily routine. So I will play you a clip and you can hear it from the horse's mouth himself. They're leading the industry by being the first to integrate home automation into a major platform with iOS 10. With Siri and the new Home app in iOS 10, everywhere you go, you can easily and securely control all of your home accessories with your iPhone, iPad, or your Apple Watch. The number of HomeKit-compatible accessories continues to grow rapidly with many exciting solutions announced just this month including video cameras, motion detectors, and sensors for doors, windows, and even water leaks. Perhaps even more importantly, we are unmatched when it comes to securing your home with HomeKit-enabled door locks, garage doors, and alarm systems. I'm personally using HomeKit accessories and the Home app to integrate iOS into my home routine. Now when I say good morning to Siri, my house lights come on and my coffee starts brewing. When I go to the living room to relax in the evening, I use Siri to adjust the lighting and turn on the fireplace. And when I leave the house, a simple tap on my iPhone turns the lights off, adjusts the thermostat down, and locks the doors. When I return to my house in the evening as I near my home, the house prepares itself for my arrival automatically by using a simple geofence. This level of home automation was unimaginable just a few years ago, and it's here today with iOS and HomeKit. Now, it's funny because um, most most people I know, sort of m more sort of casual users of technology, uh, those who have I iPhones and iPads, when they did upgrade to iOS 10 and they saw the home app on their on, on, on their um, their their home screen, they they kind of questioned it. And they, you know, I've had a few conversations with people saying, well, what is this app? What does this do? Who, you know, well, what is this HomeKit thing? And. It, it seems like now, particularly in the UK, HomeKit's only just starting to get off the ground. I mean, home automation is only just starting to get off the ground. Um, we see high street stores such as Maplin with dedicated uh, smart home departments now. Um, many smart home um, uh, devices, accessories, etc. can be found in you know, uh, department stores such as John Lewis. So HomeKit's, um, home, HomeKit, and I keep saying HomeKit, but all home automation is, 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 is starting to take off the ground in the UK. Now, in the US, they're far ahead. They're way further ahead. I mean, we hear of all sorts of weird and wonderful um, home automation devices um, revealed at the likes of CES, and they never really see the light of day in the UK. And that's, that's quite a shame. But what, I, what I'm actually curious to hear about, and you guys can drop me a comment on our website or our Skype voicemail or whatever you prefer, um, 
how are you guys using home automation at the moment, if if at all? Um, and do any of you uh, use HomeKit, rely on Apple's HomeKit um, standard to uh, control the the uh, the rooms and the devices and the various accessories that you have throughout your home? And how well do you find that integration? How well do you find uh, Apple's uh, Home app and uh, Siri integration with Siri command when it comes to HomeKit? Um, I myself personally um, only started to dabble with HomeKit probably a couple of years ago. Now, I wanted, um, the dream was always to have all of the, to be able to control all of the lights in all of the rooms. And for a very long time, the Philips Hue system, which is probably the best um, home automation system in terms of home lighting, um, was, was a little bit too expensive, a little bit out of reach. Now, it it's incredibly cheap. I mean, you can get a starter kit with two white bulbs. Forget about the colour for now, but two white bulbs, um, which you can actually control the uh, the colour temperature of the white bulbs. Um, that and the Philips Hue bridge, which needs to be connected to your router, which talks to all the bulbs as you keep on adding more and more. You can get one of those for about 40 quid now. Two bulbs and a bridge for 40 quid. Um, that's not bad at all. And when we have sort of sales, we have things like Black Friday and, and what have you. We, you know, I've, I've, I've seen those Philips Hue kits starting for even cheaper. Now, um, in addition to that, we um, you can go colour with the Hue bulbs. Um, I find colours a bit of a gimmick. I have, well, basically I've, he- I've decked out all my main rooms, with the exception of the bathroom and the kitchen, with Hue bulbs, uh, Hue, Hue white bulbs. The, um, the living room, there is a lamp with a Hue colour bulb. And I find it a bit gimmicky. Um, it's nice to have different colours when... Uh, let's say, I don't know, when you're in a certain mood, if you want to chill out, I, I, I have this setting which I call um, cocktail bar, which is kind of a cool neon, you know, 1980s Miami Vice style vibe to it. Or you can, you know, you can do certain things like um, you can um, create a command. So, for example, you can have the um, the bulbs flash or switch a certain color when you're approaching the house, when someone's approaching a home, or when your favourite football team, unfortunately my sons are Arsenal supporters, and so whenever Arsenal score a goal, the bulb will uh, flash red. Um, so you can do all sorts of cool things with that. And there are many third-party uh, Philips Hue apps out there. Um, but Philips Hue isn't the only um, sort of HomeKit device out there at all. I mean, there are many others. You can get yourself a Hive thermostat, um, you know, control the heating of your home remotely. You know, if it's a particularly cold day, you want the house nice and toasty by the time you reach you reach home, just a, a quick tap on your phone or your, your smartwatch or your tablet. And, you know, by the time you get home, it's nice and warm. So there's that as well. And then basic um, plugs, basic... Um, Smart plugs, as they call it, also tap into HomeKit. Now, I've got one of these smart plugs, and I just use it to change, you know, to control devices as I see fit, as as the season dictates. So, for example, at Christmas time, I use the smart plug adapter to plug in the Christmas tree. I in in uh, Apple's Home app, I set a schedule to uh, control lights to come on and on and off. Um, at certain times, uh, I can even say things like at sunset, switch the lights on and sunset, you know, it's always a different time um, every day. And, you know, I, I, I can do things like that. 
and that very same plug becomes uh, an automation for my my fan the fan in my room which obviously now in the cold winter is not going to get see much use but you know in the hot summer months maybe i want to control the fan remotely remotely so you know it home automation is exciting it's incredibly addictive i won't lie to you you start to get the first bits of kit and you see how it nicely integrates with you know the, your 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 home hub or, or if you're in the apple ecosystem the home app and you start, you know, and you see how easy you can, you know, can tell to tell Siri, switch on the lights, switch off the lights. Are my lights on? Are they, are they off? You can do it from any location in the world and it works wonderfully. And you start to get a little bit addictive. You say, hey, well, actually, I just want one more piece of equipment. I just want one more. Let me add this. Let me add that. Wouldn't it be nice if I control the heating? Wouldn't it be nice if I control my speakers? And before you know it, you know, you want to deck out your entire home. Um, and so... If anyone wants to dabble into HomeKit and aren't sure about taking a plunge, I would say the Philips Hue Starter Kit for about forty quid is is a good is a good point to begin with. Um, you could another point is just get a, a standard smart plug. Uh, make sure it's HomeKit compatible and. To look out for HomeKit compatible uh, devices, there is a logo, an Apple logo, and works with HomeKit uh, badge that appears on the boxes. Um, if it's not HomeKit compatible, all it means is is it can't be operated through Apple's Home app. And the whole beauty of Apple's Home app is that everything is there. You can create zones, you can create different rooms. So, for example, the bedroom could consist of a fan, um, can consist of a light, uh, a side lamp, you know, and you can have certain scenes. So a scene could be, let's set all of these devices in one particular room you know, to uh, create a mood, um, you know, relaxation, for example, uh, concentration, for example. So you can do all manner of things. So if you are going to buy a smart device, it's worth looking out for one that's HomeKit compatible, uh, simply because you only need the one app to configure it rather than downloading a third party app for each and every device separately and never know what's going on. And also for the Siri control, which is you know incredibly useful. So I'm curious to know if you guys dabble into HomeKit, if you're thinking about dabbling into HomeKit um, and your experiences of it so far. In terms of uh, my personal experience, the only frustrating thing I find, particularly with the Philips Hue bulbs, is the fact that I have to explain this to all my guests who come round. Now, you know, the Philips Hue bulbs uh, can be ideally are controlled from your smart device. The problem is if someone switches off a, a, um, a hue bulb from the switch, from the traditional light switch, it becomes unresponsive. HomeKit, you know, complains, it grumbles. Not all of the devices are responding. Um, you can't do a thing. You have to manually switch it back on again. Now, Philips do sell their own um, bulb switch, which is pretty cheap. I've seen it for around £20. It, it's designed to sit side by side with your traditional switch. So what you could do is you could change the plate of your traditional switch to one where you can't move the switch at all. Uh, so it's a blank face plate and have your Philips one next to that. Or you can, I, mean, I don't know, you can just remove them completely. But I know people who've done that. But um, that's the one annoying thing. Sometimes guests, they, they and, and, and even my other half, she can't help it. She will just turn off the, the bulb the old-fashioned way, which kind of messes up my routine. 
particularly in my room, as my um, my bedroom, my hue bulb in my bedroom, I use as a wake up light. So lights will dim at a certain time every day and I can just fall asleep and know that they will switch themselves off at a certain time. And it will gradually sort of fade in in the morning, gradually wake me up. And you know, I can do that in conjunction with um, an alarm sound from my phone or what have you. But the you know, as soon as someone switches light switch off, HomeKit cannot communicate with the device. You're not going to get that wake up alarm. So, I mean, that, that that's a disadvantage. But it's, I see like we're all moving in that direction and people will begin to understand how these things work and the traditional switch light switches that we find around our houses will be defunct and they'll be gone i think in a matter of just a few years um another uh, in terms of um what i want to do to sort of upgrade my home going forward i would love to get in a smart lock that would be great to just um from my bed when i'm going to sleep just tell siri just to lock the doors uh, make sure everything is secure. I would love to do that. Um, in terms of my lighting, I'd like to go the whole hog and, and get some strips, Philips Hue strips for the bathroom and, and the kitchen. That's probably going to be quite pricey, but I would just love the entire place to be automated. And, you know, going one step forward in the future, like if you have uh, blinds on your windows, you can even get, um, you know, HomeKit compatible blinds. You could tell Siri, open the blinds, close the blinds, you know, that sort of thing. Is that making us lazy? Mm, possibly. Uh, but, you know, it's incredibly cool. And like I said, incredibly addictive once you start going down the uh, the home automation path. And, you know, sp speaking of lazy, I, I found it quite amusing how Tim Cook spoke about, you know, when he w wakes up in the morning, says good morning, you know, lights come on and a cup of coffee, is, a hot cup of coffee is waiting for him. Now, I'm not sure what device he's using to pull that off. Um, I myself have, have an espresso machine, which um, isn't, isn't a smart coffee maker at all. But um, to actually have a cup of coffee ready for you, you know, yeah, I, I can see the benefits of that. But uh, again, I think it's one of these devices that uh, whatever Cook is using is one of these things that uh, are only available to our friends in the United States. So what I'd like to see is a wider variety of home automation products Um available to us in the uk but um i, I you know i do believe uh, in, in in time we will we will have lots to choose from like i said we are we we, we um, a lot of our major high street stores do are starting to have dedicated home automation and, and smart home departments so uh, hopefully technology become cheaper uh, so more people will, will, will get on board and obviously it will then become a lot more commonplace a sad moment a moment of reflection um i suffered a loss yesterday um friday evening it was a normal friday where 
you know, I was due to pick up my little girl and we both, um, you know, taking the train journey home. My little girl's just fine, but um, I was tired. I was sleepy. I kept on dozing off on the train, in the train journey home. I had my AirPods in my ear listening to, in my ears, listening to a little bit of music. Um, kept dozing off. No, I was holding my little girl, waking up, dozing off, waking up. And as we got to our stop, which was the end of the line, incidentally, to my horror, I discovered that one of my AirPods had gone missing. Um, for life of me, I couldn't figure out where, where it went. I asked my little girl, have you seen Deli's earphone? And no, she says no. The one in my left ear was fine. The one in my right ear was gone. I, um, I immediately reached for my, um, my AirPods carry case, flicked it open. It wasn't in there, but my iPhone was reported that both AirPods were around, both were nearby. One was on a 100% charge and the other ear was on 75% charge. And, you know, the, the train has stopped. It reached the end of the line. And I had about six minutes until the train would start going again. But I was tired. My little girl was tired. We just wanted to get home. And I was looking all over this train, looking on the floor, looking all the crevices of the seat. No AirPod. I just had no idea where the thing was. I called a, um, a member of staff who was outside and said, hey, can you help me find this 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 thing that I've lost? And someone else came along and, and helped and, you know, felt it useful to let me know that that's the reason why they didn't buy AirPods themselves, because they're bound to get lost. And we, we failed to find this AirPod. And I had to accept the fact that with the train about to leave, the AirPod would be gone. And I was kind of hoping that maybe it would be in my coat pocket, in my, my jeans pocket or something. So I stepped off the train with my daughter and the train went back towards London. And to my horror, on my iPhone, the AirPod disappeared. It could no longer trace the, the, the missing AirPod. So there it went on the train. Now, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. Um, and then I, you know, I realized actually Apple are replacing these things, aren't they? They're, they're selling, I heard the story, they're selling replacement AirPods for those who are clumsy enough or unfortunate enough, whatever way you look at it, to lose them. So I... The very next day, because I really was vexated, really was, the very next day I contacted Apple first thing in the morning and the person I spoke to in customer services told me that, yes, yes, sure, there's just Jonathan, there's a number of uh, options that we, we, we can offer you. Um, would you prefer to get this dealt with in, in store? And I said, great, I was planning on doing some shopping later on. My local Apple store is, you know, whatever, um, fine. And they said, okay, sure, we will put you through to the store and, you know, they, they can make an arrangement, hopefully at their discretion, to help you out. So I contacted the store and they immediately said to me, no, 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 we only sell AirPods in pairs. No, 
if you want it, you're, if you, you know, if you want the replacement, you're just gonna have to buy a new set online and wait the six weeks. But you know, I was convinced. I, I, I'm sure Apple, were, you know, I heard the story. Apple was selling these things individually. There was a cost if uh, uh, if you wanted to buy a replacement AirPod. So again, I I I called up, you know, customer services. Actually, no, I tell a lie. This time, I went on the live chat support. To which I am being told, absolutely not. We do not sell spare AirPods. They only come in pairs. We're sorry, Jonathan. We can't help you out. And I thought, I'm going mad. I, I, surely, I, there, you know, there's something that can be done. And I, lo and behold, after some, some intense Googling, I found the page on Apple's website. They indeed sell replacement AirPods at the cost of, and it was extremely painful, £65 each. But I suppose that's better than paying £159 again for the entire set. Um, so I contacted Apple again. I spoke to a lovely lady who confirmed to me that, yes, they could do this for me. They could uh, get a replacement AirPod to me in the post. It would take up to five days, hopefully sooner. Um, it comes from their distribution center in Ireland. Um, and all she asked for was my serial number. I gave that to her. Um, I tried to be nice to see if she could let me off the charge or my charm failed to work at all in, 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 in that situation. And she sent me a link to as a payment link on Apple's website. I had to enter my card details, made the payment for £65 and that was that. And I received a tracking number and I'm awaiting my replacement AirPod. And what makes this even more heartbreaking is I believe iOS 10.3 with the find my AirPods feature, which I so could have done with, will reach us on Tuesday. That's what the rumors say. And you know what? When I was looking for that missing AirPod, I had I tried to play music. I tried to turn the volume up. I couldn't hear a thing. If I had that find my AirPods feature where it, pl it plays a really loud, high-pitched sound, you know, I would have found it. If, it, you know, it was definitely in, in, in my vicinity. It was definitely on that train. But but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to take the hit. But guys, please be careful with these AirPods. I don't know what happened to mine. Did it fall out? Did someone take it? Well, my daughter certainly didn't take it. Um, I don't know. But please, please be careful when you're commuting and using these things because it can get quite expensive if you're careless. If any of you, you guys <laughs> or girls find yourself in that un very unfortunate and very painful situation as, as, as I was in, um, you're going to find that your first approach to Apple will be much like mine. They will just dismiss you and say, no, we don't sell these things individually. We, we can't replace a single AirPod or a single charging case. Um, you have to buy a new set. Now, there, like I said, I'm going to put the link on the show notes to Apple's page, which is well hidden, actually, uh, clearly um, uh, outlining the cost of a replacement AirPod. Now, they're £65 for one that is lost, and they are £45 to replace one that has a failing battery, which is, I'm sure, is going to be a problem that we're all going to face given a couple of years or so. So I'm going to put that link in the show notes and just be persistent. If you're in that situation, be persistent. They do have a policy of replacing um, lost, misplaced AirPods. Um, it's just not well known to their staff for some reason.
This past week, we've received an email from one of our listeners called Will. Now, Will had a question about, well, about AirPods. Um, recently purchased a pair, but is having trouble getting it, them to automatically switch between devices. Now, Will's convinced that this was a feature that was publicized during Apple's keynote when they um, first unveiled the iPhone 7 and the uh, W1 series of headphones and earphones. Now, Will is actually correct. Apple did say that with the W1 chip, you would be able to seamlessly switch between devices. Now, this apparently was true for the the um, the pre-release version of AirPods that went to journalists. Um, what they they did automatically switch. So, for example, you could be um, listening to something on your iPhone, jump to your iPad, hit play, and then it would automatically switch over and send the audio from the iPad to your AirPods. Now, that has been removed from the um, the production version of AirPods. The only scenario where that takes place is between your iPhone and your Apple Watch. That will work in that manner. However, the, you can switch between devices quickly in the production version of AirPods if you use Control Center. Now, you, that requires you to manually select your audio source. Boom, AirPods, done. Um, the way it works in production is that you initially connect your AirPods to your iPhone. The connection settings and the pairing is saved to iCloud and uh, populates throughout your other iOS devices. So you no longer have to go through that painful processing of repairing the 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 um, the headphones, the AirPods, uh, to, uh, to each and every device that you have. Um, repair and forgetting you know, the normal woes of Bluetooth. Um, you just simply hit control center and there they, they appear. Now, in the case of the Mac, the Mac doesn't have control center, but you will find that the AirPods, again, through the magic of iCloud, will be there among your available audio sources. So, um, you know, have a, have a look there underneath the, um, if you click on the Bluetooth uh, icon and towards the top, of your screen and you should see airpods listed then just hit connect and all should be good so it you know while we do have that magic with between the iphone and the apple watch of automatic switching we don't have that magic uh, with the other ios devices as promised by apple does that mean we may get them in you know we may receive that feature in future i don't know but in the case of will's question yes that feature was publicized yes that feature actually did exist in the um, pre-production versions of airpods uh, but that was removed at official launch so here's hoping that will return or if not we'll see that in future iterations of w1 equipped wireless devices now i've got a bit of a cheeky tip for those of you on sky broadband now maybe you're not happy with sky maybe you're still trapped in a contract and you want to try a different provider well there is a ray of light for you um, it seems that sky are hiking up their prices once again for line rental and call charges 
And because they are hiking these prices up mid-contract, um, it's considered by Ofcom as a breach of contract, which basically means you have a get-out-of-jail card. So even if you're still within your minimum contract period, you can now give Sky notice due to these the changes, this increase in the um, in the costs. Now, you would have received some communication from Sky. Now, do look in your mail. I believe this was sent out around four days ago or so. But you actually, by law, have uh, 30 days from the date of that communication to hand in your notice just to tell Sky you, you want to go. So um, definitely, I mean, if you're interested in doing so, I would take advantage of that. I'm not making any recommendation in terms of internet service provider, but I always like to tip people off when, um, you know, a very a rare get out of jail card like this uh, does transpire. So what I will do is in the short show notes, I can post the link to the Ofcom, um, the Ofcom regulation to the protection that there is for consumers against unexpected mid-contract price rises and then take whatever action you have to take. So that's about it uh, for this episode. Thank you again for joining me. And once again, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Um, we're listed on a number of podcast directories and, of course, the most popular one being iTunes. Um, you can find subscription links on our website where you can also leave your comments, which is intersectioncast.com. You can leave us feedback and messages via our email, which is feedback at intersectioncast.com, or also leave us a Skype voicemail. The account, again, is the same, feedback at intersectioncast.com. If you wish to follow us on the social media channels, you can do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash intersectioncast, or on Twitter under the account at Let's Intersect. So I'm your host, Jonathan Wildman, signing off for episode four of The Intersection. And until next time, that's a wrap. The Intersection. The intersection.